to another episode of Hey, I'm Walking Here. Uh, I'm your host, Jer Weber, today with my lovely, beautiful wife, Angelina. Hello. It's her first time on the podcast. Uh, she's our biggest fan, possibly our <laughs> onlyest fan. <laughs> Saying only fan in the same sentence makes me oh, think geez. of OnlyFans, on. <laughs> which is unfortunately not a sponsor of the show yet. Oh, my God. Uh, we... Are doing today's episode a little bit differently. We had about a billion ideas, a lot of funny ones. Uh, we had a billion things to try and work out with these other cameras uh, that apparently don't work. <laughs> <laughs> um, so now we're set up and we're just kicking it old school, the traditional hey, I'm walking here way where we're gonna talk to the audience slash each other, mm-hmm. but. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different. Uh, Like I said, we had some fun ideas planned, but with everything going on in the world, uh, with George Floyd's murder and the protest, it just doesn't seem right to not talk about race in the country. Uh, And it's kind of been a fine line for myself because I don't want to come off as, you know, someone who's constantly virtue signaling or something like that. I want to, you know, try and have an honest conversation. That's kind of what the podcast has been about. Uh, It tends to lean into the funnier side of things, but, you know, I've always wanted to have this uh, this podcast be a conversation and talk about different things, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, not limited to any topic. But uh, this is going to be the first one with Ange, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about talk about some stuff going on. Yep. So. This is how it is. This is real life. We're doing it. All right. We're going to keep it a little bit more serious on this one. Um, But, yeah, so what is kind of your take on everything going on? Or how do you feel about the stuff that's happening in the world? Well, 2020 definitely is throwing us for a loop. That's for sure. There's a lot of things that are going on you know, in society that are unfortunate and they're difficult to talk about, but I think it's good to have conversations about these sort of things because, you know, you and I have had discussions about this before, you know, we are very open-minded people and we are just wanting to learn all that we can about, you know, what's going on, especially with Black Lives Matter. I feel like that's like the focal point of kind of a lot of our discussions that we've been having so um i don't know it's it's overwhelming but in a way with everything going on and the fact that people are willing to have conversations i think that that's a step in the right direction for Mm -hmm. sure Mm -hmm. yeah and the the other thing i want to mention too is you know we're just two people having a conversation not necessarily trying to I guess influence. Yeah, I mean, like not, not, not trying also, to sway one way or yeah, the other. Yeah, we're also not media trained people, so you know sometimes we have our opinions on stuff, but we try to be as respectful as possible. Yeah, Does that makes sense. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. It's 
I, I feel like when it comes to this incident, it's definitely not, you know, necessarily 2020 specific. That's true. I feel like this has just been going on so long. And one thing that I, I don't know if this is an actual Will Smith quote or not, but I've seen it attributed to him is mm-hmm. that, you know, racism isn't hasn't been gone it's just being filmed or something along those lines yeah Yeah. and that kind of hit me a little bit it was like has this really just been going on like for all this time and then you see like all of these you know entertainers and stuff like a richard Pryor clip has been making the rounds a lot of other um you know black entertainers have had you know police brutality bits and all this stuff and it's like, man, this has just never been not a reality uh, for those communities. Yeah. And that's really tough to see. I think Dave Chappelle and uh, his most recent uh, special really said everything kind of how it needed to be said in regards to, you know, this man was just straight up murdered. And it's unfortunate yeah. Um, that this is where society is. And I don't necessarily know what the the step forward is to help these communities because it seems like every time they want to try something, there's, like, nobody, nobody can just be like, yeah, that's the right thing. Like, everyone has yeah. to put their own spin on it mm-hmm. and, you know, craft these narratives and try and weaponize, you know, what they're trying to do, yeah. which... Is just such a horrible thing, you know, to come from a community where you're already, you know, held down, uh, you know, just because of your zip code or just because of the way you look, and then you have an idea, and then people instantly just shit on it. Yeah. Like, and that's the most annoying thing is, like, if we just keep not trying anything and not listening to the people in those communities, it's never going to get better. Yeah. Like, it's never going to get better. And, right. uh, you know, it just... I don't know. It seems it seems odd that we as a society would let this go on so long. Right. You know, we would think that, you know, things that we've done in the past haven't been racist in terms of laws mm-hmm. and such. And... Yeah. You know, Netflix has done a great job with having the the Black Lives Matter collection mm-hmm. on there. All the documentaries and shows. Yeah, yeah, which I really encourage every viewer slash listener to start watching those because it's very eye opening. Pretty incredible the amount of stuff that yeah they have on there and just how our society's been. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's something that kind of goes to that point, too. I know that we've had discussions about it, is that, um, you know, how you said that it's not just 2020, but everything is so interconnected in a way that it seems untangible. I don't know if that's, like, a word, but, like, it's so intertwined (laughs) um, to where I think that that's where, like, the overwhelming part, at least, like, for me, and I'm sure other people you know feel that way too it's like well if you if you take you know one aspect 
of the whole, you know, the whole entire situation, for example, you know, impoverished communities. And then you look at, okay, well, why are they impoverished? Well, they haven't been given the same opportunities. And then you look at, okay, well, the schools, the way that schools are funded is different in those communities. And like the way that they're, you know, the government has, has all these different roadblocks and, you know, red tape for certain communities to, to try and get through where I, I, you know, that phrase, oh, just, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and like, just, you know, try your best. It's like, well, these people can't, like how, how can they when everything is so intertwined? Um, and you know, I, that's like barely um, scratching the surface of it. And I'm definitely not an expert and, you know, any of that, um, any of that, but it's just, I guess with everything going on, you really take a step back and you think about, okay, wow, like this is a lot more intertwined than I realized on a daily basis. And that part of it seems overwhelming, but I think like you said, it's it's going to continue to seem overwhelming and going to continue to just be, you know, this, oh, this is something that the U.S. can never tackle. It can never be done. Well, if, if, if we work on certain aspects and I feel like, you know, doing a lot of things in like smaller steps, because um, progress has to be made sooner rather than later, so might as well just take the leap and try something. Mm -hmm. um, you know that I don't know. It's just it's that's where like the overwhelming factor I guess comes in. But yeah, I agree with what you said. And I, I keep kind of thinking in my head like, oh, maybe this is just a conspiracy theory I have. But I saw a statistic that mm -hmm. kind of reinforced it today is, and then I saw kind of a. I think they call it racial gerrymandering, where, mm -hmm. like, it benefits the politicians to have people incarcerated. Because if you have 50 people in one com one county, and then 50 people in another county, but 50 people in prison, mm -hmm. and those 50 people in prison can't vote, yeah. they have 100 people that they get resources for in that county so that county gets more funding and different things but half the people can't vote like against them yeah no on the things yeah. or anything like that yeah. and Sad. i also saw that like one in 13 people in black communities like don't have the right to vote so it's like they literally can't change anything in their community but they're expected once they're released to, just, okay, to go and, you know, be a member of society, yeah. to get a job, to pay taxes. And it's like, well, if you pay taxes, I do think you should have the right to vote. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that just makes sense. Like, it doesn't make sense that we're telling these people you have to be a citizen again, but we're going to strip you of yeah. rights. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that... I think it's I think it's intentionally done. I think it's intentionally yeah. done to hold these to hold like these communities down. Yeah, which uh, is like the really sad part. Like you would, I mean, you and I try to be decent human beings. You know what I mean? And I, I can't fathom that there are, are people out there that this is like a conscious thought process. Like that you know instance and everything like that that you just mentioned. Like the fact that they're I mean, I would hope that that's not the case, but it just seems with all of the evidence and the different things that are coming out about everything, it seems to be leaning more towards that, like, this is might be a possibility of what's actually going on. And the fact that there are people out there that are, like, 
yeah, that seems like a great idea. You yeah. know, it's just, it's really disheartening. But, it, go ahead. It just seems like everything that they've done has tried to be to disrupt these communities as po like as much as possible mm -hmm. with, you know, mandatory minimums on things and, you know, just the over-policing. And mm -hmm. they've, I think it's pretty much safe to say that since the 90s, you know, when they really put, you know, a ton of police in these communities as opposed to, like, other resources, like, that did not help. And I also, I don't want this to come off as anti-police no. um because you know we have family and friends in law enforcement and you know i i definitely think there are good cops out there and i definitely think that there are you know two sides to every story but yeah. i also think that there's some things that are plain and simple and the plain and simple fact is is that we have laws in this country whether we like to admit it or not mm -hmm. and we have policies and different things that are holding these communities down yeah. that are plainly racist. I mean, mm -hmm. I always hesitate to label something right. as racist, but it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of these communities are held down by racist policies and laws. Mm -hmm. um, because, it's, I mean, how do you pull yourself up by your bootstraps? And everybody loves an underdog in the United States. Sure. They always love when people can come out of poverty and do all this stuff and all of that. Right. But while that person's in poverty, they don't necessarily want to help them. Yeah. And that's, it's sad because I don't, I don't know, you know, what to do besides to listen, you know, mm -hmm. to listen and then to, you know, donate to organizations that we believe in that will help people, um, which we've done. Uh, but, you know, we're not going to, list where we've donated to because yeah. we think that you guys should find the organizations you believe in mm -hmm. and donate to them but it is it, it it particularly hit home for me with the Khalif brother story the, the yeah. One, yeah and uh, I didn't realize how much of a big of a like this was like a big thing and I can't believe like I was just so blind to this while it was happening because like I was an adult when you know this was going on yeah and like I just don't know how I never saw this in the news and I mean I stopped watching you know actual tv a long time ago but I yeah. uh, you know for those of you who don't know I highly recommend you watch the you know the six-part series on Netflix uh time the Cleaforder story mm -hmm. where uh this kid was taken off the street accused of robbing someone and he spent three years in rikers island while being charged but never convicted of a crime yeah and it ruined his life like a hundred percent just absolutely destroyed his life yeah Jesus. um and he ended up taking his own life because of his trauma out of two out of the three years he was there he was in solitary confinement which is just mind-boggling that the United Nations says that solitary confinement past 15 days should be labeled as torture. Mm -hmm. And he was in solitary confinement for 800 days. Yeah, that's asinine. Mm -hmm. It's like, it basically, your brain just, like, loses itself. Like, you, it, it's just incredible to me that we're just caging people 
all over the country for what seems like some type of political gain, at least. Yeah. Um, I mean, it it's just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where to go with this conversation, really. But okay. just that, that story was... I really recommend people check that out because I'm not doing it justice describing it, but it was absolutely astonishing what this young man had to do uh, or had to go through. And really, he wasn't even a young man. He was just a teenager. I mean, he was 16 when he got picked off off the streets. And I remember what I was doing when I was 16. And, you know, to think of myself as a 16-year-old going to the toughest prison in the country like there's no way i would have been able to handle that and i can't believe i can't believe he was put in this position because he was never actually convicted of a crime and i that was kind of the first time i was wondering like what is going on in america Mm -hmm. like the fact that we have a story like this but we still have places around the countries are the country that are using practices like this right. that are putting people in solitary confinement that are holding people when they're just charged and not convicted of a crime. Like what are we doing? Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's extremely, you know, it, it's almost like hard to kind of come up with, with the words or the, the try, I guess trying to understand it. Like that first step of mm-hmm. like, okay, well, why is, why is something the way that it is? And it, it it doesn't seem to make any sort of sense other than greed and and cruelty mm-hmm. you know it just it's not for there there's no effective you know prison system unfortunately and like i mentioned before that's just one of the many things that's kind of intertwined with with you know everything about the black lives matter movement that's one aspect of it um and it's just it's kind of hard to to wrap our minds around but I think the more that and you know the the more that we do um you know watch watch these documentaries and and read books and you know rely on credible news sources and stuff to actually like get a full picture of what's going on um you know I think that will help us better understand it will help us become better listeners I think that you kind of hit the nail on the head earlier about you know, well, well, what can we do? I think the first step is listening and doing some sort of action, whether it be donating or as as simple as just being a kind person on a daily basis, mm-hmm. you know, to like everyone that you meet, like it shouldn't matter where they come from, where you come from or what people look like, just, you know, be a nice person. But yeah, I think um, another thing too that I was thinking about what you were saying that was that, um, you know, because you had mentioned that, like, we were both adults when everything was going on, and it was like, I don't remember hearing anything about this in the news either. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So what else is going on that we're not being, being um, like, informed about, you know? Oh. Like, that's the part that really mm-hmm. gets me, too. So Yeah, it's, it, just, it just seems like there's a lot of these stories mm-hmm. for, uh, you know... African-American men and African-American women um, and then I know in the transgender community yeah. for African-Americans it's especially rough yeah. as well but I feel like it's just not a good time to have to 
live with these experiences because mm-hmm. um, you know we have the movement like defund the police and I do think community reinvestment is a good idea um, I hesitate to say like just take funding away immediately without a plan right that doesn't seem like a good I idea. think that's the one thing that we need to be careful of because you know we need we we tend to get put into camps right like mm-hmm. you either support this movement or you, or you don't right but you can't ask any questions yeah well i think you know essentially you know you know you can talk about phrasing and all that stuff mm-hmm. but you know the reason it's called defund the police is because they want to get your attention about it they want mm-hmm. you to know and they want it to be controversial which i don't think is a terrible thing because you need to have you need to you need to have something that people associate with the movement um you know just like saying black lives matter Mm -hmm. you know there are still people that don't understand why it's phrased like that they like to say all lives matter well it doesn't make sense that you would say you know save all the rainforests when you're talking about just the Amazon rainforest, yeah. right? It's like kind of focusing on what yeah. needs attention right now. Yeah. Of course all lives matter, but that's not the point. <laughs> yeah, you're missing the point yeah. completely. Yeah. And so like when it comes to defund police and it ends up being larger about community, you know, reinvestment, you know, don't be turned off of just hearing defund the police, but also we should still know where these funds are going you know i think as a taxpayer we should know what they're going for Mm -hmm. um and i do think there's also a problem you know when you get into the inner workings of the police of you know what their pay is you know what their pension plans look like i think that they need to make you know jobs better for police teachers nurses firefighters you know all of these service yeah all of these community roles that we like greatly depend on teachers too yeah 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 teachers nurses firefighters police Mm -hmm. you know we we depend on these roles all the time Mm -hmm. you know social workers don't make a ton of money either yeah and we need to make sure that these people are taken care of that these people have uh you know a livelihood to live on that they can afford to live in the areas that they're working in Mm -hmm. and so i think that when it comes to you know defund the police and the community reinvestment i think that we need to reframe you know police departments as you know kind of like community resource departments Mm -hmm. where it has police and nurse and nurses and firefighters and social workers and all these other parts because they just frankly they put too much on the police yeah it's too much pressure for they 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 have them handle way too much when you know they have them respond to literally everything Mm -hmm. um and i think not only is the mental health horrible for you know the african-american communities i think that you know being in the police role where you literally have to see and handle every single thing yeah like that's like no no one should be able the 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 system is affecting both parties that are that this is now coming to a head for mm-hmm. um you know i don't i don't think police militarization is great uh you know obviously i want our officers to stay safe yeah um just as i want our communities to stay safe um but there's there's a lot of things that can be done to make this better 
but will the people in charge ever do so yeah. is the question i think yeah i agree i think that that's kind of you know where we have to look at it's you know everything trickles down from the top down right so like if the people who are in the highest positions in the country who have all of this power i think a lot of them don't even realize how much to influence and to make change and to write laws that are fair and just and to revamp the system like unless people start realizing like okay you know we didn't you know we as in community both sides of the political spectrum like nobody votes for somebody to then expect them to just sit on their behind up in whatever you know office that they're in and miss a bunch of important things or not do the work or you know spend yeah. a bunch of time just asking people for money for their next election or whatever the case may be i mean i'm not super into politics i don't really know all the inner workings of it but that's just like the i guess the blanket statement of what i understand but mm -hmm. um you know it's just we we have to start thinking about you know i think um you know all of the all of the elections that we have coming up um from here on out are very important like i'll be honest i never really thought that oh yeah i should go vote for the city or election um or city of wherever you know where we used to live but i think the more that i've educated myself about i mean you really do start to realize like how much your opinion matters and i think that also is very important when it goes back to the fact that like certain communities like that power is not for, there for them mm -hmm. because of all these loopholes and this red tape that's in the government so you know the, the fact that the the government has hasn't made things fair and just for you know for the black community brown community you know people of color and then the fact that now they're have all of these systemic racist rules that have been in place forever okay and we're back uh that was a brief uh message from our sponsor zoe the hound mutt on instagram <laughs> where she had to let you know that she was here uh but yeah sorry about uh that in the midst of <laughs> conversation That's okay. but yeah i think i think when it comes to city politics uh, i don't think any city is safe from racism um i think I, we found that out quite literally in our own uh community that we live in this week where uh there were some unfortunate things that happened with Facebook groups where one of the admins uh, had her own political views that uh, were affecting the group and silencing essentially, you know, Black Lives Matter groups and yeah. things like that, which is definitely not how a community should be run. Um, it's very disappointing to see that. Yeah. Uh, but. You know, the first thing I did when I saw that was definitely left that group. Yeah, goodbye. <laughs> uh, then I did make a support post um, in our other group uh, that we have of, you know, the photographer that took photos of the Black Lives Matter group or the Black Lives Matter protest. Mm -hmm. um, and that's the other thing, too, is, you know, really when it comes to the protests and stuff, there have been a lot of crazy responses to how these yeah. have been handled. You know, we see 
a lot of clips and there's been like 250 incidents of like journalists getting injured, Mm -hmm. uh, which is crazy because it seems like sometimes, you know, people pick and choose amendments that they want to support in this country. And the first one, the first amendment, I think it's shit on all the time. Yeah. I think it doesn't really matter, you know, which party you're in, Mm -hmm. but, uh, we need to keep the first amendment. Uh, and we definitely need to alter the 13th amendment, which has been used for racism. But I actually think that the United States needs to make a new amendment to tackle racism and make something that is baked in our constitution of, you know, fighting against racism. And that this is because I truly don't believe that that it's a productive society if we have a large amount of minorities in the country that are uh, just constantly Pushed held back. In, yeah. Um, but I think it starts. It starts there. It starts with our lawmakers coming together. Um, because I feel like it's okay not to come together necessarily as a nation sometimes mm-hmm. uh, because I don't think that, I think that the idea that the whole nation is going to unite, um, you know, kind of like how it did maybe on nine 11 mm-hmm. is kind of a fallacy in a bit. I, I think that, you know, with Facebook and other social media tools, we see that we're not necessarily as united as we thought we were. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't think we're ever going to necessarily agree with our neighbors or we're necessarily going to, you know, come together and sing Kumbaya and, right. you know, be one big happy family. But I think our lawmakers, you know, Congress, the Senate, those are the people that are supposed to come together. Yes. Those are the people that are supposed to make the best decisions for us. Mm-hmm. And I think them coming together and uniting and addressing that this is a problem and not essentially sweeping this issue under the rug mm-hmm. is a start yeah. for the country to heal. Yeah. One thing that I thought was crazy when I was in high school was my history teacher, who was really respected this guy a lot, mm-hmm. had said that there's still people in the South that believe the South will rise again. And I remember laughing because mm-hmm. I thought he was joking. Right. And it's crazy how all these years later, it's like, wow, he was really right about how, like, you know, there are people in this country that truly believe, you know, that we were better off, you know, having slavery. And it's it's crazy to believe that in 2020. Yeah. It's just insane to think that there's people that want that in this country. Yeah. I think I think part of it, too, is. I guess it's kind of hard because we don't have that mindset. So like when I try to think, well, why would somebody think like that? It's really difficult to try and imagine like why someone think that, would think that that's a good idea. Um, I think it, I think part of it stems too in the fact that, you know, obviously anyone who's alive today um, doesn't really know what it was like back in that time of true full blown out slavery. And I think that there's this sort of like um, image or this story that is told about it 
And I think that that's what is what people are feeding off of. Like, yeah, you know, back in the day when things were great. And I, I just don't understand mm -hmm. that, that mindset. And I guess for me, you know, this kind of goes back to what you said too about um, being, being united or at least like the people at the top being united and where, where we should be as a, as a country. I mean, I don't think that exactly like what you said, I don't think that it's realistic to, to hope and wish that everybody gets along, but I think it is realistic to say, okay, maybe I might not believe the same things that you believe in, but we should still treat each other with respect. Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing. It's okay to have a differing of opinion, but if you start forcing your opinion onto somebody else, that makes them feel unsafe, unwelcome, or uncomfortable, then that's not okay. Yeah. And the other thing, too, that I want to say, too, because I was thinking about it earlier really quick, was that, you know, I feel like people spend so much of their personal energy on trying to fight, you know, trying to be like, no, people shouldn't be equal. And, like, no, we, we you know whites are the superior race or you know straight is better than lgbt and like all this nonsense stuff it's like if if people would just spend less energy on all of that hate and all of that negativity number one they'd probably be way better off their mental mm -hmm. health like i can't imagine what it's like being in a head like that all the time with like that just that anger and that like emotion of like no i'm better than everybody and like everybody has to know and stuff like that but like where would we be as a country if we were able to just like let go of some of that you mm -hmm. know what i mean like how much progress could we get done how much better would it be to be able to walk around your community and feel a little bit relaxed or be able to interact with people in a public park like this story that we heard um about uh in new york city when that guy was just bird watching, mm -hmm. just and it was, it was in the he was in the right. Yeah, and he was in the right about you know, you know you're not supposed to have your dogs off of a leash, right. but because you know this woman was able to essentially assume assume power. Yeah, over which this was man. So so yeah. sickening to see that. Yeah, she knew what she was doing, which yeah. was like the sickest part of that whole yeah. thing. And like, it's crazy too that, that you know energy. you're you're essentially mm -hmm. weaponizing you know, what is supposed to be there to protect us, right. the police. Right. And, um, that's a whole nother, I guess, topic too, but it's just yeah, all it, that energy is so negative. It's like, just turn it into positive energy and like so yeah. many things could be better, you know? If we do nothing to address this now, we're going to have so many generations affected in the future, mm -hmm. you know? As they have been in the past. It's yeah. just building and yeah. building. And, you know, like, my own experience with systemic racism is, you know, my grandmother uh, is, you know, American Indian, and uh, she was not allowed to go to white schools mm -hmm. in North Carolina. She had to be taught on the reservation. Mm -hmm. Well, the reservation didn't get any resources. They're always fighting with the federal government. You know, the federal government essentially wants you know, American Indians, Native Americans, whatever you want to call them, dead. They want them to be essentially considered yeah. dead as a race. Which is so um, sad. Yeah. And a lot of people don't understand that, you know, the last American uh, Indian slash versus America war, mm -hmm. because there was a lot of series of wars, yeah. ended in the 1920s. 
And to put that into context, Martin Luther King was born in 1929. Yeah. Uh, and Frank was born in 1929. Mm-hmm. They would all, they could all very well still be alive today. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was, you know, less than a hundred years ago. So, you know, my grandma was getting educated on the reservation. You know, they clearly don't have the resources that the white schools did. Right. Um, she ended up marrying my, you know, my grandpa, who was the son of an immigrant. Um, but he was the son of a, you know, a white immigrant, you know, mm-hmm. German, French. So yeah. I am really, you know, the first generation to be able to say like, okay, we've had more of a comfortable living, mm-hmm. you know, like my dad felt the effects of it. You know, his brothers and sisters felt the effects of it to varying degrees. Some mm-hmm. went off and really did good things. Some you know, dealt with their own things. Yeah. Um, but, you know, me and my cousins are the first ones to say, like, okay, we've kind of crawled out of the hole a little bit, you know, because they grew up pretty poor and we grew up not as poor mm-hmm. and our kids won't grow up nearly, you know, to what I had to deal with or right. what, you know, my parents had to deal with. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the effects trickle down really hard. And for the African-American communities today, it's going to, if we don't do something to stop and start investing, we're going to have so many generations that are getting lost. Yeah. And the divide you, just gets larger and larger yeah. and larger. And, you know, human potential, you know, these can be the people that grow up and figure out and solve, you know, the cure to cancer. These are the people that right. figure out, you know, how to stop climate change. These are the people, you know, that could figure out solutions for us. Yeah. And we're essentially flushing these ideas down the drain. As, as soon as, yeah, as soon as they come into the world, they're already at such a disadvantage. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's... And they're just kids. <laughs> yeah. Makes it sad. And I think it's, you know, when people turn into adults, it's really easy to judge them as like, well, they've always been a bad person. Well, I don't think people are born into being a bad person. No. And I think that that's, you know, we have to try and help people who are here right now so that way their children can move forward and we can start building better generations. Mm -hmm. And we can start trying to solve real solutions for real problems. And I think my one piece of advice for listeners would be to really just think about what it means to like actually listen to somebody and actually help somebody because there's a lot of people you know that I know that are pretty dismissive when it comes to like talking about you know race and all these communities well that's just how it'll be well what about this statistic or what about that statistic none of that matters because there's ways you can help Mm mm-hmm and there's ways you can do things. Right. So for everybody listening, I would just encourage you to, you know, try and if it, if it doesn't agree with your political views, we'll try and listen and try and understand and try and actually help someone. Um, but if not, you know, you might have to just be comfortable with being wrong because yeah. I don't really see this movement growing away. I, I, thought, for, yeah. I thought for sure, you know, this is going to get swept under the rug like every other, 
you know, kind of shooting, like, okay, there's protests and stuff, but I really think that this one is going to stick, and I really think that the critical mass of people that are growing for this movement is... It can't be ignored. It's, yeah. It's so prevalent. Yeah. Which, which is good, because this type of change, you know, yeah. it, it just has to happen. Like, there's no way that... Mm-hmm. We can continue, like what you said, like there's no way to continue in a functional, respectable society yeah. without having some sort of change. Yeah, and I don't think it's functional. I don't think it's functional yeah. when you see, you know, that Rikers Island essentially only has African-American inmates, you yeah. know, and I don't think it makes sense that, you know, crime is at a 50-year low, but we have more people incarcerated than ever before. Mm-hmm. Like that just doesn't make any sense. Right. Like, if crime is so low, then why are more people incarcerated? Yeah. And, you know, obviously you're never going to have crime be zero. You're never going to have... You're never going to stop people from killing other people. You're never going to be able to stop inherent mental illness. Like, but you have to try. Yeah. And that's one thing that, you know, I admired. I admired President Obama for when he was talking about, you know, gun reform is, like, why not just try something? Mm -hmm. Like, he, you know, he, they tried all these different things, and they kept getting shot down. Um, that was a poor use of the word. They kept getting knocked down. Mm-hmm. Sorry. But they uh, they kept getting, you know, like, no, no, yeah, like nobody yeah, wanted, nobody to, wanted yeah. to take a try at doing some type of reform, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, I think that's what it comes down to, to community reinvestment, mm-hmm. is you have to try this. You have to try. And I think it's okay for... You know, the people listening that might not agree, you know, your opinions can change too. Yeah. Like, it's okay to be a part of, like, critical mass. And it's okay to, you know, join into the movement after not being on the quote-unquote side for a while. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think that that's what's, yeah, like, a really important thing too. Like, it doesn't, just because maybe today you might not agree with something doesn't mean that... You know, and I think, and I, I think about maybe people who, maybe like their family, or and their friends, maybe all of them have like one sort of mm-hmm. I, like idea that they think of, and that's kind of like the mindset of the people around them. Well, I mean, who's to say that within one person within this whole group that their inner thoughts are like, I don't really, this doesn't sit right with me, right? Like, I feel like it's okay for people to, you know, to to have those thoughts you know, that are different from your family and friends or your colleagues or whatever is, is okay. Even if you grew up thinking one way your whole entire life, you know, that's what educating yourself is about. And that's what being, you know, as open-minded as you can is at least a step in the right direction because you might find yourself, um, you know, in, down the line saying like, okay, actually, like the more that I've learned about something, the more that I feel like I don't align with what I grew up with or what I thought I knew. And I think that, like what you said, it's okay to change. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's not to say that if you change your mind about something that, like, that you're, mm-hmm. like, a bad person or something. Like, people change their minds all the time. Like, you go through d- different seasons in life, and sometimes your eyes are opened, you know, at different points. And, you know, just because of, you know, whatever um, has been going on the past couple weeks, if in a couple months or even if it takes a couple years, you come around, the fact that you that you came around to maybe being open-minded, I think is the most important thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think that community re- reinvestment is going to go a long way where, 
it's going to make the lives not only better for the community, but better for, uh, you know, police officers for themselves. I think we'll get better police officers. I think we'll get, uh, you know, a better unit as a whole, better people that want to, like, jump into the career. Yeah. I think that there's still a lot of good police officers out there. Like, I, I really do. Yeah. I, I, I think that, you know, it's... It's, just, it's overshadowed by the people who aren't doing the right thing. Yeah, and I think sad. I think there are a lot of people still doing the wrong things, too, yeah. as a police officer. But I think that the, tr- the training needs to be looked at from what I've seen. I mean, I'm not an expert in this, but, I mean, that's what seems to be a thing is, you know, looking at training and looking at community reinvestment. And there's, like, an astonishing statistic today that they like put uh 240 million in the detroit police budget but they only spent nine million on health for the entire city and it's like who looked at this budget and thought that was a good idea right yeah (laughs) like where where were we like yeah that sounds about right right like we we really need to think more about building our communities Mm -hmm. and you know we need to put people in projects too of like you know we need to you know redo this part of the community we mm-hmm. need to redo this and uh you know like getting rid of abandoned buildings and stuff like that and i think the other thing too is we need to stop privatizing cities and saying that they're making a comeback because the one thing you know about being close to detroit is detroit is great in the downtown area ish right now mm-hmm. But I don't think that's actually that great for its citizens. I don't think the people are necessarily getting uh, the dividends. There was um, an article on LinkedIn that I believe his name is Eric Thomas, but I could be wrong. It was titled, Why I Hate Detroit. And it really went into a lot of the systemic racism that plagues the city. And uh, it's I we don't necessarily want communities that are billionaires' playgrounds because that means only billionaires can go in there mm-hmm. uh we want you know somebody to be able to start their own business or to have the knowledge to start their own business or to do something right in the middle of the city yeah but i think it goes back to working from from the ground up like you you establish you know a, a base you help get the funding there for the schools and for the the people like people are what make a city great it's not like you know the I don't know. It's not. It's not like the superficial things. It's yeah. it's the community. It's like that that sense of togetherness. Because I guess like how I think about it is, you know, we're we're all on this earth for who knows what period of time. Nobody knows. So might as well spend your energy and your time that you have here, trying to listen and understand and like respect other people and what you know. What, what would be the harm in the people at the top, like these lawmakers, from saying, okay, yeah, like, let's actually invest, not just, like, throw money around or willy-nilly mm-hmm. or say we have a plan just to get votes or something like that. Right. Like, let's actually commit to making a plan for these cities that will help them in all aspects because just as people are multifaceted, cities and communities are multifaceted, too. Like, it's not just about crime or it's not just about Mm -hmm. you know the one thing it's like okay no it's schools and hospitals and mental health social work 
all these things education. are so education, yeah. right? Like everything is is intertwined. Um, so I think that that's that's where the ball has been dropped, and I hope that the people in power and the people that we vote for that have our beliefs that they continue to make strides in this direction because I think that that's really important because you can't get anywhere you know if you're trying to pedal a bike and the chain's not attached you're not going to go anywhere you know yeah. what I mean like you have to put in effort you have to try yeah and I think I think really what this conversation comes down to is we have to acknowledge that there's a problem yeah there's a problem with our system mm-hmm. and I think that that problem ultimately comes down to affecting certain people in like situations like you know George Floyd's murder. Um, you know that's all of a reaction or a response. I mean, it's like what Newton said: every action has an equal and opposite yeah. reaction. So, like you know, when you have all of these things combined, you know, where you've broken down a community, you know, you're in a global pandemic. You have, you know, improper police training or, and, you know, it it all hits ahead. Yeah. And, you know, this has been, whether we want to acknowledge it or not, like this goes on and this goes on in our communities. And the sad part is, is, you know, this one made national headlines and especially in the past, you know, the past few years that we've had national headlines of different incidents. Yeah. Um, one that always just gets me so upset is the tamir rice story but uh like you know with with these communities you hear these stories on the news and these are the ones that we know of yeah how many out there like how many times does this happen that we don't know of how many people were in khalif brother's situation that we don't know of Mm -hmm. someone who's innocent never been convicted right and is only charged but is in prison for three years it just blows my mind how we're at this point in the country where we've just decided that you know we can you know once someone's in prison we can just not even try to reform them we can just put them in a cell we can you know put them in solitary confinement and just make them worse off than the way they were when they came in yeah and uh I don't know. I don't know what the solution is, but I mean, where we're starting um, is by donating to the the causes we believe in that are going to help the situation and trying to, you know, get rid of implicit bias mm-hmm. and to uh, try and listen to our fellow, you know, brothers and sisters in the community yeah. of, uh, you know, trying to trying to talk to people and trying to listen to their stories and hear where they come from. Yeah, I I think that, you know, we've we've talked about a lot of very serious and important, you know, issues this past hour-ish or however long it's been. Um, I think the thing that is most important, because it is overwhelming to hear about everything that's going on, and I think this kind of echoes back to what I said earlier, like, I know I personally was just like, well, what can I do to help? I'm just one person, like nobody special, just trying to live my life and be respectful and do the best I can, like we both are, like our families are and everything. But I think that the thing that's just, I guess what I try to think about to make myself feel like I have some sort of control in everything that's going on 
is just to try to hold space to listen, whether it be talking to people, listening to um, to podcasts from people of color, reading a book, something like that, at least to start, I think is helpful because, you know, even though like, like I said, we've discussed a lot of really serious and very disheartening topics, I feel like our generation and the generations after us that are going to be part of this movement and part of this change, that it is moving in the right direction. I do see a light at the end of the tunnel. Granted, the tunnel's a little long. There's mm -hmm. kind of some twists and turns, some little speed bumps in there, but I feel like as a society, if we just continue to be positive and hold space for others and allow ourselves to educate ourselves and our families in a way that you know that is positive and not combative not like well you have to align with my views and you know this and that because i feel like all of that negative energy just makes everybody more tense and they just clench up even more like i don't want to change because change is hard right like in any aspect of life any sort of change in any season of life is difficult but it's just come to the point where it's like okay yes this is uncomfortable but we have to move forward because I know like we want our kids to grow up in a respectful and inclusive community because that's how we're going to teach them to be and I just you know I hope that other people do the same and I feel like you know the generations after us will be better off because you know we we as in like us currently in society have to make those uncomfortable decisions and have to have those uncomfortable conversations to make progress so that it could be better for the you know for the children of the future because it's, I guess it's kind of cheesy to, to think of it this way but you know kids are born so innocent you know if, if you talk to like a, a toddler they just want to be friends with everybody they're just living their best life and they don't have any judgment I feel like but then you know as things go on and they're exposed to different things that's where people's like sense of identity gets formed and that's how their opinions get formed so I feel like if we start, you know, there and start making the changes now, hopefully the future will be better. And I think it will be. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. We just need to try. Yep. We need to come together as much as we can. Mm -hmm. um, we That's need true. to really think about what made this country, the good parts of it, mm -hmm. good to begin with. Yes. But I think that's where we're going to wrap it up. This has been the <laughs> very serious intro to my wife, Angelina, who's Hello. probably going to be on the show more often. But Hopefully. Yeah, so wrap it up there. No lightning round today uh, because it just seems weird to move into a bunch of funny jokes after right. <laughs> that. Right, the next one we yeah. will. Yeah, the sure. next one we'll do. We'll do like a longer one or mm -hmm. something. But uh Go fight for what you believe in. Um, and, you know, make sure you listen to everyone. Be uh, respectful and be yeah, safe. Yeah, be respectful, be safe. And we will catch you next time on Hey, I'm Walking Air. Boop, boop.